How do entrepreneurs and professionals like us bring our A-game to daily life and work in the midst of accelerating change, increasing uncertainty, and overwhelm? That is definitely the question, and this podcast gives you the answers. Welcome to Wake Up Well. My name is Allie Kay, and I coach a series of simple wellness habits that actually work for busy people, giving you the energy focus, and momentum to live a richer, happier, and more fulfilling life now in just a few minutes each day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Callie. I'm so excited to have you on here. Everyone, Callie is a sleep wellness coach, and we are going to talk about all things sleep today, and super excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so why don't you give us a little bit, uh, the audience, a little bit more about you, how did you get into sleep wellness coaching, and what it's all about? Yeah, well, um, how did I get into it? Um, prior to becoming a sleep wellness coach, I actually had a 20-so-year 20, career in high tech, and I helped design software based on human psychology and real people's experiences. And as I moved up the management chain, the stress and pressure of the work essentially led me to what's now called burnout, right? We now have a diagnosis for that and everyone's very aware of it. Um, And of course, insomnia is one symptom of that. But even from my first days as a college student, getting refreshing sleep was always something that was difficult for me. And over the years, I felt like I tried all the things, including uh, sleeping, doing a sleep study in the hospital where they hook the little electrodes up to your head. I was given medication, supplements. I have tried teas, yoga, meditation, and um, and like I said, just all the things, and they didn't seem to actually work for me. So um, when I started to transition into a career of health and wellness coaching, um, I really felt connected to this, um, this struggle <laughs> personally. And because I ha- I felt like I finally figured out how to really get to the root causes and address address the issues. I wanted to help more people who were like myself. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially right now, I think too, with like how people are waking up a little bit more to the importance, I think, of sleep with COVID um, and kind of realizing like how important it is and it's not like a luxury and I think a lot of people previously there was this idea that Gary Vee started where like oh you know if you're an entrepreneur and you're a busy person like I sleep for four hours a day like you should do that too and I don't know there wasn't as much you know studies around it to really prove that wrong or whatever he wanted to glorify it but um what do you think like are some of the mindset shifts and realization that people are understanding about the importance of sleep right now and why do you think um it's becoming even more important yeah i think i think we have a lot more uh research out there about how much sleep is impacting our health and wellness in all sorts of ways right um we we have information now about how um, sleep is likely to influence various medical conditions that people are struggling with. Like, so for forgetting about sleep, you know, people who are dealing with heart disease or strokes, um, who are worried about obesity or diabetes, you know, they've, they've shown now that, that people are 50% more likely to suffer from those conditions when they are also uh, struggling with their sleep. And what's worse, they're 50% more likely to die from those conditions um, yeah. when they don't also get better sleep. 
Um, with pandemic, certainly we're seeing that the mental health side of that where stress and anxiety is on the rise. Um, and we're certainly co uh, concerned also about how sleep impacts the immune system, right? Whether mm -hmm. we're trying to avoid getting COVID or um, trying to have it be as <laughs> gentle on us as possible and recover as quickly as possible, um, you know, it's really critical that we we um, we have good sleep behind us. Um, interesting statistic is that um, you know the people who sleep for four hours a night. Um, and um, I believe it was Matt Walker said this in his TED talk that one night of short sleep, which is defined as about four hours, which many people go, I only need four hours of sleep, right? That reduces your immune system function by 70%, seven zero, one night. Wow. So, you know, when we're looking to, to what can we do to stay healthy and stay strong in this time, that's, that's quite frankly, a little bit scary and unknown, you know, sleep is a really critical piece of that. And, you know, regardless of the health and wellness piece, I think, you know, as we're working from home and trying to stay focused, trying to stay productive, um, sleep is really important for the cognitive function of the brain, right? So um, people who work longer and harder, uh, or people work longer and harder generally when they're not sleeping as well, right? Mm -hmm. If they do stop and then they feel like, well, I can't stop working because I have so much to get done. But what I think they don't realize is that the if they take that time, if they really prioritize their sleep, they can work fewer hours and right. really smarter and be very focused uh, on what they're doing. And it just, it won't have to bleed into other aspects of their life. So um, totally. I think there's just so many reasons why, um, you know, we're starting to, to really, like you said, wake up to the importance of sleep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, um, I'm part of Mind Valley. I don't know if you know that, like, online community, but the founder of it was talking about, he was like, he's a busy guy, and he was like, I always got seven hours sleep. He's like, but I'm prioritizing adding an hour back of sleep into my day and making that a huge priority. And he was like, you would think that, like, the automatic thought with that is like, okay, now I'm losing an hour. These like the amount of creativity and productivity that I gained from that extra hour of sleep. He was like, it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's important for people to understand too. And especially when you're like walking around like a zombie, like the amount of times you like circle the room, like forget what you're doing, like the amount of time that you waste when you're not fully awake, even though you are, um, is, is important. Right, exactly. I tend to drop things when I when if I have a bad night's sleep. Oh, funny. You know, the clumsiness factor goes up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That makes total sense. Um, and when you're kind of talking about your story, I think it was really interesting, like that you are very relatable in the fact that like you come from a busy, like stressful burnout background, and I think a lot of the listeners are struggling with burnout now or on that path to it, um, and trying all the things and it just seems like like tackling tackling your sleep seems so like I don't know how to describe it but you don't really know the right steps and you just try these things and it doesn't work and there's not a lot of progress that you can see immediately and it just seems like very overwhelming mm -hmm. um so even when people know like you know there's some tips to you know make your sleep hygiene better or you know going to sleep at the same time but it's still, people still habitually have these problems. Why do you think that is? 
Yeah, I think there's several reasons for it. And certainly a reason why I struggled so long too, right? It, when we're sleep deprived, we get desperate. You know, we, I've certainly Googled, how do I get sleep now? Yeah. Right. And, and, and tried a lot of the, the, the tips or the tricks that, that are out there, but you know, sleep is a complex process. So there's often not any one quick fix. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a culture, we look for that quick fix. Yeah even if years later, we're still having problems. So it seems counterintuitive, but actually the most efficient solution and one I wish I had, you know, looked into more closely, but the most efficient solution to sleep challenge is to really identify and work through the root causes. For example, if someone's waking up at 3 a.m., which is a very common thing to do, or they're having trouble falling asleep in a reasonable amount of time, waking, feeling groggy, Um, In the end, you know, my clients realize it's not just one thing. It's usually a lot of little things that they're doing that contribute to their sleep challenges. And what's more, those little things are usually daytime behaviors, lifestyle habits that do take some effort to change. But, you know, what's interesting is that they're not, they're not nighttime things. So, you know, the people can do all the sleep hygiene practices that are out there. I mean, some people know about them and don't, and that's a different story, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, even some really diligent folks could be doing those things and still having, having trouble because they're not really looking at, um, the whole, uh, day night cycle. They're only looking at the night. What, you know, what's going on when I'm waking up at 2 AM versus what's going on at 2 PM. Right. And, and how is that connected? How is that important? Hey guys, this is Allie, and I hope you're enjoying today's podcast episode. I wanted to come on to personally invite you to our upcoming Reset Recharge Virtual Wellness Summit that is happening on Sunday, February 21st. Now this summit is all about getting you your wellness breakthroughs in 2021 so that you feel better, live better, and have more of what you want. I have a bunch of cool people joining me, including today's podcast guest. There are 15 plus speakers that will be joining to give you insight and understanding so you can get the edge in life and work. Get your free ticket today at mywellco.com backslash summit. And I so look forward to seeing you there. Yep, that makes sense. So you talked a little bit about like habits during the day and it's like a lot of the little things that add up versus just one large thing. Um, but what are some lifestyle habits that contributes to these challenges? I always like to start out looking at artificial regulation of energy, and we see it more often these days. So we ingest things, we consume things, whether that's medication, supplements, food, drinks, um, and so on. And those things move our energy up and down throughout the day, right? But I also like to Um, expand the awareness of energy as information, right? What kind of information are we taking in? What, what is the, not just, is it on a screen versus it is it off a screen, but how stimulating is it? Right. Mm -hmm. How, how much does it create um, a, a level of stimulation or arousal in our nervous system? Right. And, and for different people, those can be different things, Um, I actually worked with a client once who said, you know, I'm, I'm reading before bed, like I'm reading in bed. I'm, I'm, you know, not on my screen. I have an actual book. It's not a Kindle. It's a hard copy book. 
and I've got a dim light and I'm reading this. And I said, I said, out of curiosity, well, oh, tell me about what you're reading. And he was actually reading uh, history books and about wars. Uh, and, and that was like his interest. Yeah. Right. But if you think about the content of that, you know, World War II or, you know, World War One, it's very, for him, it was very stimulating. And I think for many people it would be right. So the topic is, is, is very important and it's very individual. Like where do you want to put your attention and how stimulating is it for you? Um, so expanding that idea of, you know, what is, how am I regulating, regulating my energy either up or down? Um, now we also have things like, you know, CBD and gummies and, um, you know, medical marijuana. And for many people, these things have been wonderful and, they can be sedating, right? Mm -hmm. They can, they can actually mask the root causes, right. right? And we're also, you know, relying on them and using them and training our systems out of our own natural patterns. So the more we think we're in control of our sleep and our energy, um, the, the less likely we are to really be in control of that, right? Yeah. Um, and then when we don't have access to those things, um, and we try to go to sleep and stay asleep at night on our own, um, it's it's going to backfire because yeah. we've just trained ourselves out of being able to, to really rest and sleep on our own. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, the only natural sleep is natural sleep. <laughs> and natural sleep is a surrendering, right? Meaning it's a it's the exact opposite of control. Yeah you let go of control to sleep. So the more we try to control our sleep, usually the less natural it becomes and the more difficult it is to come by. And that's that's kind of the cycle I think a lot of people are, are in right now. Interesting, so interesting. I, I really do believe um, and agree with you on the, like, the idea of supplements and things like that are just masking the root cause. I think listening to your body and not manipulating it and letting it, your body is, extremely powerful on its own and it has the ability to rest and restore on its own if you just find the ways to work with it instead of against it and not mask it or try to find the band-aid approach and it's not like a one-size-fits-all either like something like a good night of sleep for me will look different for you and um like just leaning into that and really taking the time to dive into it um is so important. Um, right. And, and that's what I think is sometimes challenging, right? People think, well, I have to spend time on this. But, you know, when you look at the time that they're spending on researching remedies and right. trying them and, you know, I see people on social media commenting, oh yeah, my sleep is horrible. What have you tried? And this and that, like, there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of time that goes into that. Yeah. And it doesn't, usually result in much, right? It's like, it's like following the latest fad diet. Yeah. Um, you, you end up e either in the same place where you were, or you end up in a worse situation that you have to dig yourself out from. So um, it's, it's, it is time and it is effort. Um, but what I like to convey is like, look, my clients have sometimes been spending five, 10, 20 years yeah. trying to solve their problem. And they're just, you know, in some cases making it a little more stubborn. Yep. Yeah. So I guess I, maybe all these people who are, you know, on social media saying, what's, what are the fix? What are you guys treating for your sleep? And what can I take? 
um, probably don't know that like sleep wellness coaching is a thing and it's available to them. Um, how do you like work with people and what is your like a little bit about your process and from start what they come in with versus what they get out? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting when I when I look for sleep coaches, most of what comes up are for children. Right. And, and that's actually really useful because a lot of times, you know, children who are very young, they have trouble with sleep and they need to be, um, they need to be you know, given routines and, and, and help support with their sleep. But, you know, adults sometimes need help with sleep too. Yeah. So um, sometimes when I work with somebody, they, they need help putting those foundational sleep hygiene practices in place. Right. So I tend to work with type A's, high achievers, perfectionists, um, many people in professional roles like the one I came from, mm-hmm. um, people who are caregivers for children and or aging parents. Right. So they might be sandwiched in the middle. They have a lot going on and they may not see where they have time to really work on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, you know, a lot of times they have trouble setting boundaries or they're just not able to prioritize they're sleeping their self-care without feeling guilty. Yeah. Um, they don't have the time or energy or the desire to become a sleep expert. And, you know, just like when we talk about nutrition, they can be confused about which of the practices or, or things will help them the most. Right. So these people need someone who understands their busy life, can help them find some space and some structure, and who can really individualize those strategies so they're most efficient. And on top of that, sometimes accountability, you know, Mm -hmm. at at least at first is really helpful. Now for people who already have those good sleep routines in place, but still aren't sleeping well, that's where it really gets interesting. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned earlier, it's often a lot of those little things. And when you're the person living your life, it can be really hard to see them. Mm -hmm. So here I help clients explore different aspects of their life, uh, long Lifelong sometimes behavior patterns, limiting beliefs that might be contributing root causes. And we do some deeper work um, to start to make those mindset shifts that will really have a big impact on their sleep situation over time. Um, Sometimes that's about being more compassionate with themselves and, you know, adapting to what's going on in their life without necessarily, you know, going into sleep per se, but just how they're dealing with stress or how, um, how they're dealing with the anxious thoughts. So. Yeah, I think the, your, what you mentioned about like not putting yourself first or like that self-worth concept, I think in overall in the health and wellness industry, especially right now too, that's a big thing that people are not, realizing the importance of, Hey, I need to put my oxygen mask on first before I serve other people and like really making their own selves a priority. Cause it feels selfish and like, there's not enough time for me. And it, there's just like this misconception of it. Um, but I agree with you that that's really important. And that makes sense that that's stuff that you see with your clients and have to kind of shift their mindset a little bit. Exactly. And, and the, the oxygen mask is the perfect analogy for that, right? I mean, yeah. you, you to help some other people, whether that's your children, your aging parents, your friends to be there and to have, you know, the capacity to support another person, mm-hmm. you really have to fill your tank first, you really yeah. have to um, be grounded and centered and, and be thinking clearly and be functioning optimally. 
because you, you just don't, you won't have anything left to give otherwise. Totally. Yeah. Um, so with the world being switched to a lot of remote work right now and people are at home, you would think ideally that they could kind of have that sleep consistency would be something that would be probably easier now than it was when there was a commute. But I have a feeling that it's still a very big problem for a lot of people, including myself, to be honest. Um, so can you talk, and we hear about it all the time about, you know, sleep consistency, but can you talk a little bit more about like the true importance of that and if that applies seven days a week and how you, what your thoughts on it are? Sure. So first, yes, I don't necessarily think it's easier with, you know, with the pandemic, certainly before that, um, even as an entrepreneur myself or somebody who transitioned from corporate to entrepreneurship, right? Suddenly my schedule was my own. Right. And even though someone else wasn't dictating that, that didn't mean that I didn't have things I wanted to get done. And in fact, I was even more engaged in what I was doing. So it can be it can be more challenging to to make that space and time for yourself, but um, yes, consistency is really important, um, and 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 for reasons that are different than than you might think. So um, so a lot of um, the recommendations out there will talk about you know bedtime routines, right, mm-hmm. or morning routines, and you know we we think about those and it's like yeah well gee i'd like to create that for myself and i have a hard time sticking with it but what i think people don't realize is that you know those routines and not just in the morning and at night but maybe even something midday the act of even eating lunch and and really you know really setting aside the work right to eat lunch or go for a quick walk or something like that these are Um, practices that I call rest rhythm practices. They are cues essentially to your nervous system that you can, um, you can actually just relax a little bit, right? You can bring down the energy again, if we're going back Mm -hmm. to that energy. So they're touch points during the day where your system knows like, okay, Hey, it's time to rest. Right. And, and sometimes we feel those uh, natural urges to rest and we just power through them anyway. Right. And so we're not just getting, we're not just uh, ignoring those signals from the body, but we're also impacting our rest rhythm, which is what helps to set the circadian rhythm that we're so familiar with. Right. So we think about, oh, my circadian rhythm is off, but okay, we do these things in the morning, you know, get light. We do these things before bed, we reduce light, right? But what happens in the middle? Again, and I'm going back to the day, right? If your day is highly inconsistent, if you don't take those rest breaks, if you power through the natural signals from your body, you're, you have no rhythm, you have no um, cadence, right? And you know, I think one of the things that the pandemic is actually very useful for is seeing that predictability is actually calming right? When you know you have a plan, okay, every day at 12 o'clock, I'm going to have a healthy lunch and then I'm going to go for a walk. And you repeat that on a daily basis over and over again, you actually, you, you get used to that. And it's actually very calming, right? It's not just, Hey, I'm nourishing myself with food or I'm taking a break for me, but it's that rhythm. Your body starts to expect it and it starts to feel relaxed just by the act of having done it repeatedly. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's important beyond, you know, the thing that you're doing. 
So yeah, that, that consistency is really, it's critical. Yeah, that's really interesting. So speaking of routines, I and our listeners, I think would love to know what is your morning routine like? <laughs> right, right. So I typically get up at 6 a.m. And that is all days, weekends included. Wow. Um, you know, do some just general things, wash my face, feed the cats. I do open all the blinds to let the sun in. And I do actually enjoy coffee. I enjoy it in moderation in the morning and really high quality stuff. I, I love my coffee. Um, I usually take a cup into my office. I have a comfy sofa where I sit and I read something. Um, and sometimes that's a library book that's of interest to me. Sometimes I'm doing a little, um, you know, study in, in therapeutic yoga or meditation or something like that. And so I, I read something that's, that's interesting to me that's not um, super connected to work. I'll make breakfast when I'm hungry, usually between 7.38, shower and ready for work at 8.39. Um, and that's what I do now, right, in my mid-40s. Uh, back in my 20s and 30s, I'd have answered this question totally differently, right? I'd have been up at five, had a light breakfast, hit the gym for an hour, um, showered, gone to work, ate a morning snack at like nine or 10, and then had an earlier lunch. And I, I really- so You were in tech and working full-time? Yeah. And, and, you know, years younger, right? Yeah. So I, and I think this is important because our routines can evolve with us. And I think they really should. Um, I'm certainly not the same person I was 20 years ago. Um, despite even the career change, I have different priorities and different needs. And you're likely not the same person you were even five or 10 years ago, right? Yeah. So again, the routine is a rhythm. It's, it's not intended to be rigid and it should serve you versus the other way around. And you can start with something and tweak it to work in a way that's you know doable for you right now and moves you to where you want to be. And I think that's really important when you're thinking about you know, creating a routine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think routines too, like they have um, a misconception that there's a couple things about them, that it's a one size fits all approach, that it's something that is a little bit daunting. Um, and that there's also this idea of like, if, it, if I don't do that exactly that same routine, the exact same way every day, then the day that I don't do it that way is a complete wash. Exactly. Right. Um, it's, a, it's really a trial and learn, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't wake up one day and say, okay, this is going to be my routine. Right. 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 It was kind of like, okay, I'm going to start doing this one thing totally. and, and see how that feels. And it's like, okay, yeah. Do I feel better on the days where I do that? Yes, I do. Okay. Then it's a good, it's a good thing to add. Yep. Right. Or it's a good thing to have. And then once that feels like brushing my teeth, I love to use that analogy, right? Because I don't think about brushing my teeth. I just do it. Yep. Right. Once it becomes like that, then you can start to stack on another thing. Yep. And again, you try it out. How does the combination work? Does it, does it increase my stress? Does it help me feel better through the day? Are my relationships improving? Is my focus improving? If not, you know, then you can let it go and, you know, you can, you can give it an adequate amount of time, but usually if you're, if you're mindful and you're attentive, you, you can tell, you know, pretty quickly after, you know, a couple of weeks at least that, okay, you know, in general, this is, this is working and, or, well, I haven't been giving my full dedication to it. So I can't really tell yet. Yeah. Right? Yep. Totally. And they should bring you joy. They should be things that you're excited 
to do when you wake up and serve a purpose. If that's stress reduction or helps you kind of get your energy moving, whatever that is, they're, they serve a purpose. And I think they can be, they can be fun and something that, yeah, that you look forward to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And like I said, like I said, years ago, my, my thing was like, hop out of bed, get going. Cause I had that energy and I wanted to, yeah. to use it. And that really helped me. And now I really enjoy that easing in to the day. Yeah. That's, that's really important to me such that, you know, I, I gave a talk last, I think it was last week or so at 6am, I had to be on you know, uh-huh. a at 6am and you know, being up at 5am and not having that time, you know, to kind of orient myself, like I really felt that and I felt that not just that day, but I felt it through the rest of the week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, because that would, you would have to get up at like 4am to like do your whole routine. So you probably just did a modified version with the best exactly. that you had. Um, and then on at six. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, I have another question for you about, um, and this is something I've been talking with my friends a lot about is how do, what about sleep when, you know, your sleep routines and your quality of sleep as an individual versus with a partner or a pet um, or that when you're sharing a bed with someone else, how, what's, do you have any tips or suggestions or mindset um, thoughts around different sleep habits with when you're sharing a bed? Yeah. So I'll give my own example because I can relate to all of these. We have, we have two cats and my partner and I have, he's a night owl. I'm a morning person. (laughs) So we have, um, we have very different, uh, very different sleep schedules. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of people, the most important aspect of, of working that out is communication, right? If, if one or both people aren't sleeping well, and it's due to something that, you know, is, is based on the other person's habits or schedule or something, having that heart to heart conversation and just being like, look, you know, we can't be the best couple possible without us, you know, really talking about this and making sure that each of us gets the the sleep that we need. And um, so some people are doing, you know, what they're calling it sleep divorce, um, which I think is a kind of an unfortunate name because it sounds so bad. And like, you'll hear people say, well, if I sleep in a separate room from my significant other, then the intimacy is going to go away and all that. And in reality, what usually it does is it strengthens the relationship because people are no longer tired (laughs) and patient with each other and short with each other. So, um, so there are options, right? So in my case, for example, when, um, when I had that early morning, uh, webinar, um, you know, my, my partner and I had a conversation the night before and we decide, okay, tonight we're going to sleep apart because I have this thing in the morning. I really need to make sure that I'm, you know, top notch for that. Right. So it's almost a, it's almost, I won't say it's a, day by day basis, but it's a case by case basis, right? Um, sometimes, um, you know, it's, it, he'll offer, you know, hey, do you want the bed tonight? And I'll say, you know, no, I, even if I, if, even if something happens and I don't get, you know, quality sleep, you know, I don't have too much going on the next day, or I have things that I can, I, I can improve my self-care, have more rest. Um, so 
it's fine. Like come to bed. Right. And, you know, it's interesting too, because there was a time where, you know, he was snoring quite a bit. Um, and, you know, I encouraged him and I, I actually said, you know, Hey, this is really impacting my sleep. And I know you're not concerned about this. You're not concerned about potential for sleep apnea, but that's a dangerous condition. And I'm concerned for you as someone who cares about you. And so, you know, he went and he did the sleep study and now he has the CPAP and, you know, now he continues to breathe in the night and the snoring is gone. Right. So are they not that noisy? um, No, not compared to snoring. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) No. And there are other solutions too. It depends on the kind of sleep apnea. Sometimes it's a dental appliance that actually is a better choice. So um, CPAP is kind of the first uh, the first solution most people try, but there are others, uh, other things out there available for that. So I think, again, just having that, you know, open line of communication, whether that's, Hey, you know, please go get checked out for this or let's sleep apart for this night. Or, um, Hey, you know, when you come, when, when you come to bed, you know, I'm getting disturbed. Can, what can we do to kind of make that, um, that transition feel a little better, um, yes. And, you know, it goes both ways too, right? Because when I get up early, he's still sleeping. Right, right, right. So how do I return that, that courtesy in the morning, right? By not, <laughs> by not maybe making noise or yeah, yeah. moving around as much. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, when it comes to pets, it's, that's a, you know, that's kind of, you obviously you can't have a conversation. I can't have a conversation with my cat right, to say, right. Hey, you know, guys, stop fighting on the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, we, you know, we do sleep with, with our cats. Um, but, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night because they are squabbling over the spot, then they both get kicked out and the door gets closed. And, you know, it's, oh, okay. you know, it's, again, it's, you know, as long as things are good, there's no problem, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, when things are a problem, then they have to be let out. And, you know, some people have allergies and they still mm-hmm. have pets. Yeah. So, you know, again, you have to, prioritize your sleep and say, you know, it's not going to kill the animals to sleep, you know, out of the bedroom. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, love you the same amount the next day. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and sometimes it can be a little bit of training, you know, to make yep. sure to get them used to that. But, um, you know, I'm, I know we all love to pamper our pets. So, you know, getting them a comfy bed or, you know, um, someplace and it's, and it's like training your children too, right? Yeah. You, you, you train them to stay out of the, out of the space and, um, you know, show your love and affection for them at another time. Yeah. Very interesting. So the, the, when you sleep apart, do you recommend like having like, in terms of like thinking about your sleep when you're getting home or something, would that be a second bedroom or is that the couch or what do you recommend for that? Um, it, it could be, I mean, it depends on the person's space, right? I mean, just recognizing that that's okay to do, I think is usually the biggest hurdle, right? I mean, most people either have a spare bedroom, you know, the sofa would be fine. Um, you know, I actually do have a, like a pullout sofa bed, but I usually we don't use it because yeah. it's just easy enough to, to, to move things around. I think the biggest hurdle around sleeping apart is really having that conversation. Right. And the worry that it's going to do some damage. Yeah. Um, when in fact, it, it really almost always does the opposite. Yeah. So true. Amazing. Well, 
This was a awesome conversation. I'm going to ask you one last question. Um, what is one mindset shift that you can leave with our audience? Right. So most people can relate to, you know, the waking up around three in the morning, right? Looking at the clock and saying, how am I ever going to get through tomorrow, <laughs> the day, right? And that's, that's a very common thing, right? When I ask people, have you ever done that? I, I, most people will say, yes, I've done that fairly recently, maybe even in the past week. Um, and I'd like people to start to think about that same question, but in the day. So around 3 p.m., what have I done so far in my day that's going to support my getting quality sleep tonight? Usually when I ask if anyone ever considers that, they, they look at me blankly, <laughs> right? Or they say, no, I haven't ever thought of that, right? And in my experience, few people are looking at this other half of the day-night cycle. And again, the day often provides the clues mm. about what's going on at night. And so what I find, the mindset shift that I find that's very important is that most people need to start getting curious about their day. So they can start to identify, you know, the specific combinations of daily behaviors, the ways of thinking, the activities that are all contributing, right? It can be a bit of a puzzle to figure out, but the first step is to really start to pay attention because you can't figure it out if you're not really aware that, oh yeah, the problem is not where I think it is, right? It's not in the time window where I think it is. Yeah. So if you, if people can, you know, let go of, okay, let me stop worrying and stressing particularly about bedtime and my nighttime and go, okay, let me get curious about my day in relation to my ability to not just sleep, but also rest and relax. Yeah. Then that's really where, um, where the most benefit I think is for people. Amazing. Yeah. That's really interesting. And super helpful because a lot you're right a lot of the conversation is about the nighttime but there's a ton more hours in the day than just that four hour window before bed or whatever that is exactly awesome well thank you so much it was such a pleasure having you on where can everyone find you what's the best way to connect with you yeah, so the best way to connect would be to go to my website. It has all my social media on there and information about sleep wellness coaching and, and the different programs I offer. And the website is calisleepcoach.com. So that's K-A-L-I sleepcoach.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Have, have, a, awesome have a great day and an awesome night. <laughs> Finding value in this podcast? Let me know what you liked best about today's episode by leaving a comment below. If you have any friends who would also find value in this, let them know and share it with them. I'd love to further connect with you. Whenever you're ready to take your next step, you can find me at mywellco.com or at mywellco on Instagram. Remember, wake up well.